Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. It's The List and your boy with Jimmy Van and Sean Ross What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp here. It's Wednesday. It's the 20th edition of The List and your boy. That's right. And to, to commemorate it, Jimmy Van said that he is giving me an investment property in Toronto. Oh, yeah. We that's talked exactly about what this I said. off the air. Jimmy, you are the gift that just keeps on giving. I will give you a Lego house <laughs> that says Toronto on it, and you can have that. I was telling Sean about how the property values in Toronto have skyrocketed over the last year, and so you will not be getting a house from me in Toronto. And I was also telling you off the air about how you said last week, well, I don't need to be right in the city. Get me something like 30 <laughs> minutes outside. Oh, yeah. Nigel was in here who lives in a town called Mississauga, which is about a half an hour from Toronto. And I go, hey, Nigel, what's the average property value in Mississauga? He's like, ah, oh, it's 750 to 900,000. And I think Sean shit himself when, I, when he said that. So, so what you're saying is that considering where I live, because I do live in one of the cheapest states in the country, which yeah. is, is a real benefit to me in this line of work. It helped me, yeah, it helped me get to the point to where I am now. I guess you're saying that I am a relative bargain compared to some <laughs> of the people you have there, right? Uh, in terms of compensation, no. Well, Actually, well, that's not true. That's not true. In you, terms you, of salary, rather. I, I pay not, you in U.S. dollars. Well, that, because, I mean, what they go through there and what you go through there, yeah. I'm sure everything's much, much, much more expensive. Like, a cup of coffee up there is probably much more expensive than it is here in Ewing, Kentucky. Yeah, probably. probably. Not that I could get a cup of coffee if I wanted to in you. <laughs> yeah, but just remember, right now the U.S. dollar is about a buck thirty-seven Canadian. Uh huh. So if you think about what I pay you and add that one thirty-seven on, then you know what I'm really paying you. Yeah. So That's true. it kind of makes a bit of a difference. Oh, I used to love it. I worked for uh, What Culture, and the exchange rate—it was nice. 
Yeah, but you said they're British, right? You got pounds or something? Yeah, yeah. So they had agreed to like a certain amount, and I was like, oh, yeah, that amount. And I was thinking American dollars. Then I get that pay, and it converted, and I was like, oh, nice. That's cool. I mean, that's that's amazing that you were able to get. So you thought that you were getting a comparable salary in U.S. dollars. I didn't even I didn't even look at what I think they I didn't even attach like a symbol to it when, right. when I had negotiated they just said how about and then gave me a number right like, but you thought but you thought that was a fair number because you thought it was U S dollars yeah and it wasn't that much different it wasn't like yeah. this was this was years ago so yeah. it wasn't like a a drastic difference or anything but but yeah I was I was very happy to get that extra on yeah. top of that I mean yeah man. That helped well, me out tax time when I had thought in my mind, what do I need to hold back, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, I have a lot of stuff today on the uh, list of Jimmy Van right here. Oh, boy. And uh, I'm going to start off by telling you a story, Sean. You because love you, your stories. Guilty you know, I'm, I'm, charged a, with I'm a storyteller, man. I'm stories. A, I, should, I should charge you to hear these stories. I always tell you. Yeah. I should. This is a story about something that a member of my team said to me last week that pertains to you. Oh, boy. Yeah. And the reason I'm telling you this story on the air as opposed to just telling you on the side is because I've, I've realized over the last few weeks that most of my team listens to the show. Yeah. Uh, and some of my work colleagues listen to this show. And so that made me realize, man, I wonder if anybody else has Great the same show. opinion. I wonder if anybody Great else show. has the same opinion that this girl did. So oh, that's, no. that made me decide I need, I need to bring it up and I need, <laughs> yeah. to, I need to explain myself. So late last week, a, uh, a really nice young girl in my office by the name of Vachura, who actually is the one that did the voiceover on the Holy Smokes MMA podcast. Oh, That's the same girl. She came to me late last week and she said, I listened to this week's podcast and I'm really bothered by the way Sean talks to you. She said, no, now hear me. Now let me finish. Let me finish. She said, uh, I find that he talks down to you. And I find, that, I find that he is disrespectful. And she said, the James that I know, because you get that day to day, most people call me James in the company. Yeah. She said, the James that I know would never stand for that. And he would never tolerate that. <laughs> and so she was, she was a little concerned. And I'm going to be very honest, Sean, and I think you know this. Who I am on this podcast is not entirely reflective of who I am day to day. It's it's close, but it's not entirely reflective. It's a because, little bit of your time to cut loose. Right, it is, it is. And and you understand, day to day, I'm dealing with uh, big accounts, I'm dealing oh, with yeah. staff, I'm dealing with clients that can sometimes be, you know, greasy if you let them be greasy. And so in my day to day life, I have to be I guess for lack of a better term, I have to be hard nosed and I have to be aggressive and I have to be intolerant of any bullshit. And so in my day-to-day life, that's kind of how I am. And so Vatura was shocked to, to, to see that you were, you know, sometimes being a little mouthy and that I would take it and I would smile and, and be cool with it. So how I explained it to her, and this is how I want anybody that knows me listening to this to understand. To me, this is entertainment. And to me, this is not a employer and an employee talking. To me, this You're is two guys. Breaking kayfabe, Jimmy. I, oh, my God. I am. I am. The fourth wall. But uh, no, to me, this is two guys shooting the shit about pro wrestling, and, and I think you'll, you'll uh, back me up on this, Sean. When I brought you on, I said, talk about whatever you want, say whatever you want. If you want to swear, swear. You don't be afraid of anything, and that's how I look at it. 
and so uh, I want to say to people on my team, because I have a really good team. I'm very fortunate, and I got people on my team that have my back. And so I want to say to those people that I appreciate it and I won't forget it, but everything is okay. So I just wanted to, I just wanted to, to say that. Aren't you impressed that I have a team that, that cares enough about me that they would say... I, I hope you got an old Ace Vetura pet detective <laughs> about her she being gets a little a too sensitive. She gets that a lot. I'm sure, I'm sure I'm the first person to ever do yeah. it. I feel for her. Yeah. She did a great yeah. job on the intro, by the way. Yeah, they I should have done it before. Love she had never done that before. And she, she's a sweet girl. She's been with me for over a year. And uh, I just thought it was really nice of her to, to have that, that feeling. And I even told her last week, I said, I told her, I'm going to tell Sean the story on the air. Well, what you need to explain to her is, uh, listen, Vitura, correct? That's, that's right. Vitura, just like the Bible, there is a, a JVBC and a JVAD. And that, that separation is when I met Sean Ross Sapp. Well, oh, I met this right? charismatic, magical, fantastic writer slash producer slash podcaster, social right? media guy. Hey, he's, he does commentary too. He wrestles <laughs> too. He does, he does all, all this stuff. He, he, does he it has all. it all. Look, he's, the total he's even package. growing his hair out. Nothing greasy about <laughs> this. Am I right? Are you saying you're Jesus Christ? Is that what you're, you're basically Listen, suggesting? Hey, hey. That's what you just said. Hey, I didn't say it, but yes, you, you, implied, you implied it. So who am I? Who am I? You said the difference between day-to-day me and podcast me is when I met you, AD no, to no, BC. No, 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 as a, as a marking, as a definitive, like she's saying, <laughs> the James that I know. I the got it. The James that I know. I got it. I got it. Okay. Well, that's what she, because I, I think she's. me's dead and gone. Wow. That's pretty much how it is. I think she was expecting when she was watching the podcast and she saw you getting a little riled up. I think she was expecting that I was going to blast you on the air. And and when I didn't do it, she was like, what the hell is that? I think that's what it was. Fun fact, uh, Pat Fannin just brought this up in the chat. I am affectionately nicknamed Box Jump Jesus. Absolutely not by myself at all. What, what does that mean? I got a, I got a high box jump, Jimmy. Do I can you? jump really high, yeah. I've never known this about you. I can jump on top of a car, Jimmy. Really? Yeah. Really? Is that because you're like so light and the body weight, the lack of body weight allows you to fly? 185 pounds, Jimmy. Huh. I mean, I'm like 215, so to me, you're still a lightweight. I mean, I guess. Uh. If, if, anyway. I do any, if I do any grappling tournaments, I'll probably be about 170, so I'll be a little lighter. That's all right. That's all right. I mean, 185 is, what is that? Uh, welterweight, right? It's middleweight. Middleweight, right, right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's not bad. That's Anderson Silva. Yeah. Right? I could beat Anderson Silva. I want to move on and talk about the Sean Ross Sap emoji. Oh, you want boy. to pull, you want to pull it up for a minute? Oh boy! You are selling that on a T-shirt right now. That is awesome. So uh, a gentleman on my team by the name of Zorro, who is the guy that created your T-shirt, he created for fun the Sean Ross app emoji. Uh, and the guys in that chat are developers on my team. They were all talking amongst themselves and they were sharing your emoji. And then one of them leaked it to me. And I saw it and I was like, we got to show this thing on the air. I'm going to find out how to package and sell that, Sean. I'm going to figure that, it out. Like I said, I think you are on a T-shirt. Yeah, but now I want to sell the emoji. I mean, Kim Kardashian's made a shitload of money. 
So I'm going to sell the emoji. Are you cool with me selling the Sean Ross app emoji? I don't care. Go ahead. Going to do it. It's going to be done. I mean, you, you pay my... You, you pay me on the 1st and 15th, or the 15th and the 31st of every month, so... I do. Whatever. And I, and I paid you on time this week, even though I kind of teased you last <laughs> week that I wasn't going to. You never, you never not pay me on time. You pay me early, if anything. I'm pretty good about that. You are. Yeah. So, you are. anyway, I love that emoji. Good job, Zorro. I'm going to see if I can package and sell it. I don't even know how you sell an emoji, but I'm going to try to figure it out, because it's awesome. Yeah. Let's move on and talk about the broadcasting and cable story. Okay. You heard about this one, right? Yes. Now, the, 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 the main part about the story had to do with the, how they're going to do commercials, but there was something else about the story that stuck out to me, and that's what I want to talk about. So, okay. uh, again, I always like to set this stuff up for people that haven't heard. So, uh, NBC Universal, in an effort to get the ratings up on SmackDown, they are going to try picture-in-picture picture, uh, during commercial breaks, and they've tried it before, and I guess they, it tested well. So what's going to happen is during a commercial break, there's going to be a small window that shows what's happening live on SmackDown with no audio. And then the bigger window is going to be the commercial with the audio. What I found the most interesting about that story in broadcasting and cable is that they listed the top 10 sponsors year to date on SmackDown. So NBC Universal's, not WWE's, NBC Universal's top 10 sponsors year to date on SmackDown. Do you know what the number one sponsor was? Ah. Oh. Bosley. WWE Network. Was the top sponsor. Yes. Hilarious. And I thought that was very telling, and I thought that was very interesting. They had spent year-to-date $742,418. And what that kind of told me was, because WWE already promotes the network on their show for free, right? Mm -hmm. They don't need to buy... You'd think they don't need to buy advertising. That told me that they probably felt like they needed to do it out of necessity because NBC Universal probably isn't selling. Uh, it probably has, isn't selling things as easily as they thought they would. NBC Universal probably isn't too keen on the idea of them using so much of their airtime, right? That is committed to NBC Universal to say WWE Network, WWE Network. So they're like, hey, "How about you? You pay us a little bit." It's possible. Yeah, I mean, I but- don't know. I mean, of all the brands on that show, I thought it was interesting that WD Network was number one. So I, I thought I think that's very, <laughs> very interesting as well. Yeah, yeah. See, I'm an investigative journalist too, Sean. Are you? you see I that? don't believe that at all. See, let's move on and talk about the dive tweets. Yeah. Let's. Now uh, we got to set this up for people. And isn't it ironic that it all started with a Canadian independent wrestler, Sean? Isn't that kind of apropos? Who started it? So there was a kid by the name of Daniel Parker. And he is a Canadian independent wrestler. He's from a place that's about three hours north of Toronto. And uh, on May 13th, I'm not going to read the whole tweet uh, that he wrote, but he basically wrote a tweet saying that independent matches now have too many dives and no selling. And he said they're very formulaic, independent matches. And this is coming from an independent wrestler. Uh, But that's what he said. He tweeted that out to people. Rip Rogers was one of the guys that he uh, tweeted it to. And Rip Rogers, for those unfamiliar, is a longtime uh, pro wrestler from the 70s and 80s. I think he's a trainer now. And Rip Rogers retweeted it. And, of course, Rip Rogers, because he's an old-school veteran, agreed with it. Uh, and this set off just a shitstorm on the, on, on, on the Internet. There were independent wrestlers like Will Ospreay and, and uh, TJ Perkins who agreed or who disagreed with it. Uh, and then there were veterans like Randy Orton that agreed with it, and it became a big thing. And Bubba Ray Dudley posted a picture of himself diving in a Ring of Honor match. 
Uh, Randy Orton then tweeted, LOL, there is a difference between a young, hungry talent diving and an old, out-of-shape vet falling. He, he Woody from Toy Storyed him. He said, that's oh, not he? diving. That's like falling with right. style, is basically right. what he said. How do you know that? Because Toy Story is a cinematic classic. What's wrong with you? You have those sayings in your head. You could just spit them out whenever you want. Yeah, it's a great. It's one of the great lines in movie history. How dare you? How many chipmunk sayings do you know off the top? I don't of your... know any of those. Are you sure? No, I mean I've heard I some. I've heard some of the songs. I listened to them when I was a kid. But Toy Story is a little bit. It's you know you could enjoy that as an adult. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, it's right up there with uh, Pulp Fiction and The Godfather. Uh huh. And Titanic Two. So uh, so anyway, uh, uh, Randy responded to that. Then Bubba responded to Randy saying, "My tweet had zero to do with you. Looks like you were wrong again. Uh, you're still awesome." Uh, and they went back and forth. And then uh, Orton posted a big uh, tweet. And I'm going to read this one real quickly because it's Randy Orton. So I'm going to read it real quick. He said, I really need to wish an apology. Sorry to the indie marks, indie guys, and old timers who do dives and took offense. Just having a good time over a few drinks in Denmark closing the SmackDown Live tour while beating Raw and making over $5 million in the last 11 shows. Now, I noticed some that doesn't equate to a standing room only crowd of 150 people paying $8 at an armory somewhere. But in the big boy world, that's called putting asses in seats. So enjoy your flips, dives, and 20 super kicks per match to each their own. I will go dive back into my 13th title reign and get ready to flip when my bank statement comes this month, dot, 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 headlock. Um, you covered this with, with Alex on the post-Raw show on Monday. What are your thoughts on this whole thing? And then I'm going to give you my opinion. Randy Orton has never drawn on the independent circuit. He's never had to work an independent match, really. He was never going to have to because of who his dad was. Now, he's fantastic at what he does. Is he my cup of tea? No. I mentioned this on on the on a clip that you all can actually see on Fightful.com, myself and Alex talking about it. You're complaining about dives, but you're trying to tell me that it's not unrealistic that a top-level wrestler can't get out of a headlock or a chin lock. If, if I were to see that, from a guy who was, I don't know, week three or four in grappling class, I'd be like, maybe you need to do something else. That's week three <laughs> or four. I'd be like, uh, maybe you need to do something else if you're stuck in a chin lock or, a, or anything, especially no chokes allowed with no hooks in. Because that's, just give it up. You're not going to get it. Randy Orton doesn't necessarily know what these guys, I mean, he's never had to approach wrestling in this manner. Because he's always been a WWE guy. And even before he was a WWE guy, he was going to be on his way to being a WWE guy because who his father was. Mm -hmm. Could he draw on the independent circuit if he left now? Yeah, of course he could. Had he never been in the WWE? Who knows? Who knows? And a lot of these guys haven't been in WWE. And a lot of these guys are learning still. A lot of these guys are experiencing wrestling uh, trial and error. They're figuring out what works what doesn't? I don't know. Uh, I do think that he should absolutely have one of the, the Bollywood boys, the Singh brothers, dive, and then he should catch them in a headlock mid-dive. <laughs> that'd, that'd be cool. Got to do that. So my opinion is I, I don't look at this as being a Randy Orton subject so much. I mean, I realize he's the one that created this stir because of his tweets and everything, but uh, to me, the, the the topic is really about independent wrestling and the one guy thinking it's all about dives now and no selling and stuff. Uh, and Orton, of course, I mean, Orton, like you said, he's a lifer in WWE. He makes a shitload of money. 
Uh, and he's also always known to be a bit of a dick, and, and he was probably uh, a few, you know, pops in in Denmark when he wrote that. My opinion, and, and not everybody's going to like or agree with this. Uh, I know we have a lot of guys that like indie wrestling that, that listen to the show. They're not going to like it, but this is just my opinion. I've not been a big fan of indie wrestling for a long time, personally, uh, because in my opinion, a lot of independent wrestlers, uh, they don't have the greatest ring psychology. A lot of them don't sell very well. A lot of them don't know how to tell a story in a match. A lot of them are doing big moves two minutes in, whether it be a dive or whatever. Uh, the Young Bucks are like internet darlings now, and I'm not big fans of the Young Bucks because they do 20 super kicks a match, and to me, it kills the validity of the move, my opinion. Yeah. Uh, years ago, you guys know who Eric Young is. Yeah. Years, years ago when I was promoting independent wrestling, Eric Young did a match. And I don't remember the opponent. I think it might have been a guy by the name of Danger Boy Derek Wilde who uh, also did stuff for TNA. And they did a pile driver off the top rope through a table on the floor. And I remember seeing that thinking to myself. Was that the finish? I believe it was the finish because okay. it's been so many years. I think it was the finish, but still. That, that's what you know, makes me mad. I'll watch Ring of Honor pay-per-views. And I, right. I enjoy Ring of Honor traditionally. Right. But they'll have a match that's about 10, 11 minutes deep, and you'll see like a second rope pile driver. Right. And you'll get a kick out. And I'm like, no. And the crowd even wanted that to be the finish. Yeah. So when yeah. it keeps going, and this is like third or fourth match, that's tough. Yeah. The super kick thing, well, I kind of, I'm okay with the Young Bucks doing it because their gimmick is that they are the indie, indie stereotype. I know. Like they're almost a parody of it. And I the know. way that I kind of, I kind of justify that is, a head kick from Sean Ross Sapp is not a finishing move. <laughs> a head kick from Mirko Krokop is a finishing move. Uh-huh. To me, a lot of it is who delivers the move. Like a, a DDT from Randy Orton has been shown it doesn't finish people. Okay. Yeah. But a DDT from Jake Roberts, that finishes people. I, and, and that's the way I choose to – and I wish that, that that would be the type of thing. I can't believe that's never been brought up. Like – yeah, and you, well, you know what? You know what I think about? I think about when, when uh, there was a documentary about NXT where they showed Triple H showing Finn Balor how to work in front of a camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and this was a guy who had been wrestling for years, Finn Balor, and he'd been on major shows in Japan, but he had never been taught how to work in front of a camera. And he didn't understand angles and where to stand. And these independent wrestlers don't have that kind of experience. I think another issue with it too, and again, I'm not shitting on it. Like for for those that like it, I'm not shitting on it. This is just my opinion. Uh, I think that wrestling has evolved because the wrestlers now are smaller uh, than they were 20 years ago, right? And I think wrestling has evolved to accommodate smaller guys, uh, and everything evolves. And I think that's just kind of happened. It's all subjective, and and you know, you and I in in the past have spoken about Dave Meltzer's five star rating on the show, and we've kind of joked about it. Uh, I remember when he had the Omega thing, the Omega match, he gave him six stars. Yeah. And, and we laughed about it because it's subjective. Like that's yeah. one guy That's one guy thinking a match is five stars. That doesn't mean that everybody's going to think yes. that I it was mean, a great match, right? On, on my post, on my podcast notes, occasionally I'll put an out of ten rating on there. But that's, that's right. my thought. That's not right. like Pat Fannin right. or Kyler James's thought or Carlos Toro or Alex or Anna. And, and it goes the other way. If, if, if I think that there's a talent in WWE that I think is really good, and if somebody else thinks he's shit, well, that doesn't mean I'm right and he's wrong. That's just my opinion, and that's his opinion. And so this is my opinion when it comes to independent wrestling. Uh, and, and that's just kind of – I mean, I, I watched the Young Bucks match with the Hardys, 
and you're right that they are kind of they do treat themselves like a, like an internet joke to a degree, and they came out to the Hanson music and stuff like that, and they're they're both you know pretty thin guys, but when the commentator was counting the super kicks, and I think they got to like nine or ten, yeah. I just didn't like it. I, I just thought you're you're killing the validity of the move. It, it it makes the move a joke. Well, they they did have a funny spot one time where they promised more super kicks than ever on a pay per view, and they had a super kick counter in the bottom, and they didn't do one the whole match. Oh, but so but then they came out at the very end of the show and did a run in and delivered like forty, I think. Right. <laughs> so they lived up to what they said. Right. Right. Yeah, but again, it's just my opinion, and so that's why you know that indie wrestler that made that comment. It's interesting coming from an indie wrestler. I'm wondering if maybe he hasn't had a lot of opportunity. Yeah. Uh, and maybe it was Sour Grapes coming out a little bit. And then again, Randy Orton, you know, he was probably a little bit uh, a little bit buzzing in, in Denmark yes. when he wrote that. Rip Rogers is a veteran from the 70s. It's ob- And then Will Ospreay disagreeing with it. I mean, of course. I mean, it's obvious who's going to agree and who's going to disagree. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not saying right or wrong. I'm just saying my opinion is indie wrestling has these flaws to it. That I personally don't enjoy. Well, a lot of wrestling does. You see Seth Rollins with an injured knee diving everywhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You see all that type of stuff. You, there, it's weird. The reason the closed fist punch was supposed to be illegal is because the the moment you watch a UFC fight, right, and you come back and watch a pro wrestling match and you see a closed fist punch and there's no blood, there's no mark, nobody gets knocked out, anything like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's your suspension of disbelief is out there. I like to make as much sense whenever I have to lay out a match or I have to work a match. Mm-hmm. I try my best to make sure everything makes sense. And even in the wrestling I watch, if you just add a little something that makes sense, I'll put it in perspective. Just explain stuff. My mm-hmm. wife was watching Parks and Rec, the, the <laughs> show that has like Chris Pratt of Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Yeah. And in between a one month story arc, he had lost five or fifty pounds mm-hmm. because he had gotten in shape for Guardians of the Galaxy. And instead of ignoring that, he said, "You know, I stopped drinking beer and I lost fifty pounds in a month." <laughs> and they addressed it just like in a cute little manner. Right. When wrestling addresses things, it makes me love it. Like I like that. In pro wrestling, Sami Zayn has gotten so good at the dive because he only does it when it makes sense. He mm-hmm. does it to absolutely catch somebody off guard. He does it against Braun Strowman, Samoa Joe, Brock, like big guys, mm-hmm. or he does it to more than one person at a time to where he's taken out two birds with one stone. Uh, anymore, you don't see Sami Zayn doing his foot dive onto James Ellsworth. Because it yeah, really and, and I, I was going to mention The Undertaker, but then I decided I, I wasn't going to because The Undertaker is a different case. But uh, I thought about The Undertaker when he would do a dive. And, and there is an old school veteran and a, and a large human being doing a dive. But again, he would do it late in the match and he would make it mean something. He wouldn't be doing a dive two minutes in just to pop the crowd. And, and to me, that's kind of a big difference. But, uh, but again, it's subjective and, and anybody that loves that stuff, good on you. I'm not shitting on it. I'm just saying that I'm not a huge fan of it myself. Yeah, and, and you're right. People do have to uh, – wrestling has adjusted to affect the smaller wrestlers. And yeah. we, we see a lot. We you know uh, There were some people that would say, oh, wrestlers don't look like stars anymore. Well, yeah, because we don't want their fucking hearts to explode at 42 years old. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's a reason why people don't have traps popping out of their ears anymore. Because- yeah, but you, you look at Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens has proven that you don't need to look like that to be great. Yeah, and because, then there, but there are still some people who try to argue that yeah. that he's not. My my cousin's a very casual wrestling fan. We fired up WWE 2K17 
the first two acts that he looked at and he said, oh, they look cool, were Kevin Owens and The Ascension. Right. You never know who might just pop out to somebody else. Yeah. You never know. And it's true. Yeah, steroids are out of, well, to a degree. They are used far less than, than they used to be. I mean, Jinder hasn't failed the test yet, so good for him. Their, their, their levels you know? are very, very, very forgiving. Very yeah. forgiving. I yeah. don't know. I think a lot of people are failing. If they're they're taking a USADA test, a lot of people on that roster are still failing. Yeah, but yeah, but I even agree. then, MMA has helped push that further too because everybody knows that really, if you're over two hundred and sixty five pounds, you're probably not going to be the baddest dude in the world because mm. outside of Brock Lesnar and Shane Carwin, there have been nobody. There's nobody that's like three hundred pounds walking around. That is really the baddest dude in the world because they yeah. gas out in twenty. Oh, seconds. sure, for sure, for sure. So we, yeah, yeah. yeah, we. A lot of things have facilitated that change. I just found this when I was going through the list. I had printed this out so that if Sean decided that he didn't want to put the graphic oh, up, I was I would have a printout of it. So I printed that out. So that's pretty. Like awesome. I don't do my job. Uh, I thought you might not want to do it. So I and again for people that are listening and not can't see that I have a printout of the emoji that I was talking about the Sean I, emoji. I did have one person that messaged me and they said, "Why don't you write as much anymore?" And I was like, "Well, oh, really? Yeah." And I was like, "Well, I mean, I there are a lot of things that I write that may not have my name on it. Also, right. things that we post that might not have my name on it, but you know, I'm setting up shows. I'm working. The last two weeks it's been because of Wirecast." Yeah, but it's better now. Yes, right? yeah, for now, for now, See? it's yeah, it's doing okay. Good. Uh, there are a lot of other things that goes in go into managing. Uh, you know, we got to look over every single article that goes up on Fightful, and we're talking sometimes forty, fifty posts a day that go up yep. on Fightful dot com. So there's there's a lot into it, and uh, I still write plenty, plenty. You do, you do, you're doing a fantastic job. Let's talk about uh, something that happened uh, today, actually. George Berrios, he's the CFO of WWE, uh-huh. and he spoke at the Needham Emerging Technology Conference in New York. Uh, Brandon Howard did a really good job. He uh, was doing live tweeting of, that, of it That's and everything fantastic. that George Berrios said. Yeah, Brandon's really good. Uh, but I want to talk about one specific thing that George said that kind of stuck out to me. He said, uh, we've pivoted from a live events business to a media business. And I'll tell you why I thought that was interesting. So... Obviously, they have become a media business. Rights fees is their number one revenue stream. I think the network is their second revenue stream. Uh, and that's all media. That's all content. So that makes sense. Here's where I thought it was interesting that he publicly said that we're no longer a live events business. What about the guys that are on the road 250 days a year to 300 days a year? And they, uh, they pay their own expenses. They got to pay their own hotels. They got to pay their, for, for their own food. They got to pay for their own rental cars. Uh, they work if they're hurt or they're sick. They're still expected to appear. If a flight gets canceled, they're expected to find another way to get there. If the weather's bad, they're still expected to get there. Uh, a lot of these guys, when the when the, when the week is done, they don't gross a whole lot of money because of the expenses. Uh, not to mention now, they most of them fly coach. Imagine Braun Strowman sitting in the in a middle seat and coach. And uh, and now they have their CFO saying that we're not a live event business. How would you feel if you were a talent on the road, not making a shitload of money, and then the CFO says that? I'd feel pretty pretty rough. Mm. Pretty rough because you know I'm not a traveling guy, and you gotta no. you gotta be able to do that in that line of work. You have to. It's a tough it's a tough business. 
And again, we know that the rights fees are their biggest revenue stream, and we know that the network is their second biggest, but I don't think that means that you need to publicly kind of put it out there because these guys are on the road getting their asses kicked and, and seeing their families you know, a few days a month. They don't need to be hearing that stuff. It's like, why are they even doing it? Why are they going on the road 250 days a year in that situation? So I thought that he should be smarter than saying stuff like that publicly, so I wanted to bring that up. Yeah, it's... It's like uh, I've, I've made the comparison to, to places I've worked before where they're like, oh, well, we can't afford to give you a raise. And then that wasn't then, me. I, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> but and this has happened at multiple places. Then they'll send me a message. Hey, I'm going to my winter house this weekend. <laughs> I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh, OK. Right. And, it, and it's very easy for the CFO of the company to say that when he's at home in his own bed every night. Right. He doesn't even think about it. Yeah. You know, so do you want to uh, tackle the nicknames next? Do you want to do that next? WWE's weekly excessive usage of stupid nicknames. And I had somebody like kind of arguing the point. Really? Today. Yeah. They're like. And this person, you know who you are. You only tweet me to say negative stuff. Okay. Or to be contrary. I like you, but you're a contrarian. Yeah. But they're like, well, they used to do it all the time. The rattlesnake, the game, all that stuff. The rattlesnake and the game roll off the tongue a lot easier than the eater of worlds, the mountain among men. And you didn't have... Steve Austin out there putting over Triple H's nickname. Yeah, not only that, but you wouldn't hear Jim Ross say it eight times in uh, in ten minutes. Like you just wouldn't. Yes. It, it, it was just a different time. And uh, so let's go over some of these first because then I want to address a couple things. Uh, I actually made an observation from watching Raw this week I want to talk to you about. But So when Raw started this week, I actually texted you. I was very optimistic that the company was figuring things out. Because the opening segment was 17 minutes long. You know, it had uh, Angle was out there and Roman Reigns and, and Rollins and the five guys that are going to be in the five-pack challenge. And not one time in 17 minutes did Michael Cole or Corey Graves say the big dog about Roman Reigns. Not once. Dumbass nickname, by the way. Which is a stupid nickname, but they didn't say it one time. And I watched that segment thinking they're figuring shit out. Well, especially, especially when you got the big hog on SmackDown. Right, and of course you got to make sure you get that reference in once a week at least, so good for you. But uh, when that happened, I thought to myself, they're figuring shit out and they're going to cut back on the nicknames. And unfortunately, things fell off the rails after that. Uh, and I've got a few notes. So uh, during Sheamus's match, he wrestled Jeff Hardy. Uh, he was called the Celtic Warrior three times within the first minute of the match. And I actually did a count. Uh, the final count for the match was five references of the Celtic Warrior. Michael Cole said it three times. Corey Graves said it twice. Then when Sasha Banks was out, uh, her segment lasted four minutes because it was a very quick match. She, she was in there for four minutes. She was called the boss three times in four minutes, two times from Michael Cole, one time from Corey Graves. Then one of them that really killed me, Sean, I don't know if you noticed this. You know when they put the match graphic up? Uh, and they'll be like, later tonight, you know, Seth Rollins against Bray Wyatt, and they put that graphic up? Yeah. On three different occasions, when they put that graphic up, they said the Architect and the Kingslayer back-to-back. Three different times. So they didn't just say, they didn't just say the Architect. They said the Architect, the Kingslayer. 
And Cole and, Am- and uh, Graves both did that. And then the one that really kind of uh, made me just want to uh, go do something else was Alexa Bliss. So when Alexa Bliss was out and the when goddess. she was co- the goddess and Michael Cole made a point of saying she calls herself the goddess, uh, which I don't recall hearing before, at least not, not in repetition. And then Corey Graves, bless his heart, Corey Graves said, uh, kneel at the altar of the goddess. And then when uh, Bailey attacked her, or when Bailey came out, he said, how dare Bailey interrupt the goddess? Uh, now, I want to make a couple points. So uh, Alex said something on the Raw Review Show this week. He said, well, they're saying it because they're being told to say it. And I don't disagree. I, I'm sure that Kevin Dunn and Vince McMahon are on the headset being a pain in the ass and, and saying, don't forget the goddess, don't forget the goddess, don't forget the goddess. The thing is, Booker T is also on those headsets. Booker T rarely says those nicknames rarely mm-hmm. maybe once a whole show if you're lucky i think that michael cole and Corey graves are two kiss ass corporate shill types my opinion and i think that if vince says don't forget the goddess Corey graves is like i got to keep my job i got to keep my job i'm going to say it 18 times in three and a half minutes because that's what i that's what just what i'm going to do kind of thing and it's very irritating but i want to i want to bring up another point that i saw this week and i want your opinion on it when sheamus was introduced by jojo she referred to him as the Celtic warrior Seamus, right? Yes. Every, everybody else on the show, Dean Ambrose, The Miz, Roman Reigns, they were not referred to by their nicknames on their intro. Dean Ambrose was not called the lunatic fringe Dean Ambrose by JoJo. And The Miz was not called the A-lister of The Miz. And Roman Reigns was not called the big dog Roman Reigns. Why do you think that is? Do you think it's because every once in a while they want to change their names to sell a t-shirt uh, but they figure, well, Seamus is a Celtic warrior, like kind of like Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. Like, why do you think? I don't know if there's any rhyme or reason behind it besides, as you mentioned, somebody maybe in JoJo's ear saying, call him, call him the Celtic warrior. Call you think him, so? Call him this. I need to ask that in particular. Uh, yeah. That would be, yeah, I hadn't really thought about that. That's something that I'm going to reach out and I, For some him. reason, it just kind of struck me. I just kind of noticed it. Uh, because everybody now has a nickname, but JoJo doesn't call most of them by it. But Seamus, of course, she did. And I, again, I, I kind of looked at it like the Mr. Wonderful comparison where uh, Hogan was the immortal, but not everybody called him that. I think later on Finkel did, but early yeah. on not everybody did. But Mr. Wonderful was always Mr. Wonderful. But Adam, Adam Ball asks, isn't Lunatic Fringe a song by Golden Earring? That might be copyright trademark issues. I don't know who that is. I know where he got the name. It's because... Our local rock station in Cincinnati is known as the Lunatic Fringe, WEBN, and that's really? where uh, Dean Ambrose is from. Yeah. Ah, uh, so it might have been his idea. Do you think? Maybe, or yeah. but but see, the, I mean, I'm sure WWE are aware of that radio station because they give them interviews a lot whenever they're they're in town. So it's something right. that I'm sure they're familiar with. Right. Right. Okay. Well, I, I want to read a question from a reader that goes back to this whole nickname thing. Okay. So I figured this is a good time to tie it in. And this is very long, but I'm going to try to paraphrase it because I don't want to read the whole thing. He basically, his name is Juizy. Uh, and he's, yeah, it's Juizy. And he said, I really like Jimmy's new segment on nicknames, and I'd like to hear both of your takes on something. And what he basically says is Shinsuke Nakamura being called the King of Strong Style. Uh, he says, uh, he says, so they're promoting that this guy is the best at a more realistic form of pretend slash scripted fighting. Whenever I hear it, it pulls me right out of the moment. Uh, and he wants to know what we think about it. So my take on it, and again, the strong style thing, I believe Enoki came up with that, mm-hmm. uh, and it was in the 70s, I think. 
And what, what strong style refers to, it's a more stiff form of, of pro wrestling. So yes. stiffer kick, stiffer kicks, stiffer punches, submission moves, more like an MMA style. The way I look at it is, you know how they always talk about how different uh, different geographies in wrestling have different styles. So like in Mexico, yes. you, have, you have Lucha Libre, right? You don't take a lot of bumps in Lucha Libre. And it's, it's a lot a of lot, rolls right. and stuff like and that. And high flying and, and, and stuff like that, like Rey Mysterio. I look at, at strong style as being the, essentially the Japanese style of wrestling. Because even in the 80s, you remember guys like Tatsumi Fujinami, uh, they would have Ric Flair's chest beat red from all the chops by the end of the match. And uh, it's always been known it's a stiffer style, it's a snugger style. And to me, when I hear strong style, I just think of it as the Japanese style of wrestling. And that's why I'm able to, uh, I guess, suspend disbelief when they use that nickname. That's my personal opinion. Yeah, I hate the term. I, I kind of hate the term, but in the WWE realm, and I don't know that they have they called him that on the main roster because they they've kind of switched to the artist type of thing. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I definitely see what he means because it it implies that other styles maybe aren't as tough. I don't know, uh, but yeah, yeah. I, I I could definitely agree with that. I mean. There are ways you can get around that and still call him the king of whatever style and still make that make that happen. I figure this man probably thinks strong style sounds better than Japanese style. Yeah. That's, you know, that's how I kind of look at it. Yeah, so. but I, I don't know that Vince McMahon had any idea what Shinsuke Nakamura was being called in NXT. No, he probably not. He doesn't really watch it. Yeah, Hunter might have mentioned it to him, but yeah, you're right. You're hey, right. You, want, you want to talk about working stiff, Jimmy? Mm-hmm. There's a guy named Bill Goldberg. What a great segue, man. You work what pretty a, stiff. I've heard amazing. a lot of people. Way to be smooth about it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> awesome. We were able to talk to somebody about Bill Goldberg. Somebody who was familiar with the situation. Somebody who worked with Bill Goldberg. His we name J.J. Dillon. It's time for story time. The problem was that he never, ever had a chance to really learn how to perform. And you, it's like a baseball player that in spring training can go in the batting cage. And, but until the season starts and they're out there in front of live pitching in a, in a competitive environment, that's, that's when the cream rises to the top. And Bill Goldberg never had that chance because there was no place for him to go learn. WCW had no live event schedule that, that did any kind of business. They never scratched the surface pay-per-view-wise. And if you remember back, that's when Stone Cold was so hot. And if you took a picture of Stone Cold and put Bill Goldberg's picture right next to it, if you look at him, it was like looking in a mirror. Both of them had the shaved head, had the goatee, had a simple, sim- similar body with the, with the big bulging traps. And so I think – and Bill had that it factor. But then when Bill got out there, Kevin Sullivan was, who's one of the brilliant minds in the history of our business that never gets credit for how really brilliant he is. They, they just look at him as the, the guy with, that was uh, an incarnation of the devil playing on the sand with the bones and everything with eyes rolled back in his head. And he was an altar, a Catholic altar boy from Boston, but he was a brilliant, brilliant mind in our, in our business. And when Goldberg finally, by necessity, was put on television, I remember the first week was, well, 
what are we going to do? If he's out there very long at all, he's going to expose himself as really how little he knows. Well, let's have a big fancy entrance, you know, with the sparklers and everything. And he'd come out and exhale and look like he was blowing smoke or blowing fire. And then he would get to the ring, you know, kind of like the same thing with the, with the ultimate warrior with the streamers and running to the ring and shaking the ropes. And then when the bell rang, he didn't do a whole lot. All sizzle, no steak. Yes. Okay. That's yeah. Very good. You're very observant. And, uh, <laughs> but with Goldberg, it was like, well, let's just have him beer somebody and jackknife him and one, two, three. And wow, the people just exploded. And then as I talked before about in this business, yes, you can do something, but you have to think about the second week, third week. And I remember the second week all, the problem didn't go away. We still got the, what are we going to do? Well, it worked last week. Let's, hey, if that makes it different than everybody, let's do it again. And then all of a sudden it took on a life of its own where the fans started talking about the record of consecutive quick victories. And then that became the story. The Goldberg goes in there and wipes people out and this consecutive win number, whatever it was, and they were they were tracking it. And as I said, Kevin Nash was a brilliant, brilliant guy. And he got <laughs> he, he got with Bischoff and he said, even Superman, with all his powers, and he could fly and he could do everything. There was one thing that he was vulnerable to, and what was that? It was kryptonite. Bill Goldberg has got to have a kryptonite. The people are going to reach some point where they're going to say, "Hey, well, there's nobody can beat him," and they're going to lose. They're going to lose interest. And Kevin sold the idea that we've got to show a human side to him. He has to be vulnerable. Somebody has to beat him, and you know. And it's kind of like just stood there, like as big as he was and as awesome as Kev was. That, you know, I guess maybe I, you know, I, I put my card on the uh, out on the table because you know I, I'm big enough that that people were going to not be shocked if it happened. And then that's going to make Bill vulnerable, and now the people can relate to him more because there is a human side to him. How do you think that Bill thought about? Kevin Nash ending that streak? No, I never talked to Bill. And I think Bill knew that from day one, he didn't have the background to be able to say, hey, I feel strongly about this or that, or that's the right thing or not the right thing, because he had been put in that position every step of the way. And to all of a sudden say, wow, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm this huge star, and I think this is a mistake. To Bill's credit, he, he never did that. And he said, I guess maybe these people know better than I do, and I'll go with the flow. I love story time with JJ. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. (laughs) 
I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Absolutely, JJ's awesome. I don't love Wirecast though because its default settings caused me to miss the the intro graphic. I was wondering what happened to that. Yeah, that's what that's what it was. Uh. Wirecast a setting reset, and uh, there there was a thing that lets you resume it from the last time you played it. And when I loaded it in, I tested the clip, and you know. Ah, uh, okay. Did, did, did fit- we get did we get the entire thing? Oh, of course we got the entire thing. Yeah. Okay, okay. But, yeah, That's the good. image didn't. So what? if you all notice a little audio running into each other for like a second there, that's what that was. But yeah, we, we it's it's interesting to see that like the stiff worker of 20 years ago was, uh, I don't know, 280 pounds. Yeah. And the guy they're pushing as like the stiff worker today is like 215, 220. Yeah, yeah, Things absolutely. Things have absolutely yeah. changed. They Do you have, have anything else have. on... The list. Oh, I have so much on the list. <laughs> I uh, I want to tackle uh, another question from a reader. This is uh, GG at Guzomatic, and for some reason, when I saw this question, I don't know why, but a name popped into my head immediately for whatever reason. Uh-huh. So his question is: Is there an actor you would like to see involved in the proposed Vince McMahon biopic? And for whatever reason, Dennis Quaid came into my head just immediately, and I I think Dennis Quaid would make an awesome Vince McMahon. Because they're about the same height, they kind of look alike. They're not that different in age, uh, and I think Dennis Quaid could pull it off. So he would be my pick to play Vince McMahon. You know who my pick to play Vince McMahon would be? Is that John Cena? What? John Cena, because that's exactly how Vince McMahon fancies himself. Right. He thinks he is. He looks like he that. Thinks he is, and I. Th- right. You would have to go a comedic route with the script that <laughs> that uh-huh. was circulating. And could you imagine John Cena portraying a comedic Vince McMahon that he has worked for for the last 15 years? Yeah, he would definitely. I mean, <laughs> you know, guys that have worked for Vince for a long time, they're always able to, to, to kind of imitate Vince. And they're always able to, because, you know, Vince, is, there's certain things that he always does or says, yeah. right? Always calls guys pal. And, he, you know, he doesn't like to sneeze and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Cena's been around him and seen it all. So... Yes, I guess he'd be able to pull that I mean, off. But, I said that uh, they should just CGI the whole thing and have Bruce Pritchard play every character because one of the, the attractive things about his podcast is he does very good impersonations of right. everybody. Right. So just have right. him voice everything. You'll be all right. Bring Jason's sensation in. Something tells me that Vince would not approve that. Call it a hunch. Somebody asks, yeah, yeah, probably not. Somebody says, who would play John Cena then? Oh, he'd play himself. He would then play himself. Yeah, you do that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's he's more or less looked the same for the last ten years. Yes, he has. So Cena could pull that off, no problem. He could. I want to address one more question from the uh, from Juizy that I I just missed. Juizy from Juizy, and he makes a good point, and I I have my uh, my theory as to why this is. Yeah. So he says I have an issue with Sami Zayn coming down to the ring with an underdog from the underground shirt on. 
He said, I can appreciate sports teams or individual athletes embracing the underdog label and using it as motivation, but who the hell would refer to themselves as an underdog on a T-shirt? Obviously, my my answer is he wants to have merch. He wants merch money. And that's what the company came up with, and he wants that cut, so he's going to do what he has to do. I see MMA fighters all the time saying, I love being the underdog. I am the underdog. Now they don't put it on a shirt because that kind of nickname is, pardon my language, fucking dorky. Yeah, it is. It is. So that's why they don't do it. But in wrestling, here's the thing, man. Wrestling has some of the worst merch. Some of the absolute dirt worst merch. So, yeah. Oh it's the kind God. of stuff. It's the kind of stuff you won't wear out in public most could of you, the time. Could right? you imagine Alexa Bliss out wearing her shirt? Like if she went out to get a drink or something, she wouldn't wear her shirt. Yeah, probably not. She no. wouldn't wear a shirt. And Sami Zayn wouldn't wear his either. Probably. To me, simple is better. Hey, I like these Onnit shirts. They're very simple shirts. Yeah. Uh, the the shirts that I've had made are very very simple type stuff. I. They always got to do the most. They got to do all this extra shit with their shirts. And then they started to sew the WWE authentic tags on there. And I'm like, great way to never sell a shirt, guys. Uh, uh. I mean, obviously, if Sami Zayn gets stroke, if he's able to climb the ladder to the point that he has clout, he'll be able to have creative say into what goes on a T-shirt. At this point, he doesn't have that kind of clout. And so he's just lucky that he has one at all. Because uh, I remember, wasn't it a year ago that Zack Ryder was public saying, Chris Jericho's got eight pieces of merchandise and I have nothing? I think yeah. it was Chris Jericho. So uh, I think Sami Zayn is just like ecstatic that he actually has a t-shirt and, and uh, he wants that merch money. So he, he just deals with whatever it says. Yeah, yeah. that's really about the, the extent of it. Because, man, they really need somebody to, to come in there and be like, your merch all kind of sucks. Yeah. Is, uh, Gallows and Anderson have a cool shirt that's based on the, the Bullet Club logo, and for them, I don't find that a ripoff because it's them. What about the James Ellsworth shirt? It's pretty good. I don't even know what his shirt is. Had his face on it, remember? Well, yeah, for him that works. Yeah, yeah. For him that, that works. Was, that was the inspiration for the – let me move my head for a second. That was the inspiration – for the official Fightful.com Sean Ross Sap Your Boy t-shirt being modeled by Jimmy Ellsworth that you can get ProWrestlingTees.com slash Fightful. That's where we got the inspiration for that shirt was from James Ellsworth's shirt. But, I mean, the Austin 316, simple shirt, sold a billion yep. of them. The NWO yep. shirt, pretty simple, yep. sold a billion of them. Degeneration X, pretty simple, sold yep. a billion of them. Hulkamania as well, crushed it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's so weird to me when... Yep. You see all these things that are like soft and it's got a finger pointing at you. That's even a little <laughs> too much for me. Certified yeah. Jersey G with a bunch of stuff in it and you know what? I just wanna, make bank. I do want to say one thing about the certified G shirt because I had this actually. I have a, a little thing on my list this week called WWE Good Stuff. I wanted to come up with some stuff. Who prints to, those off for you? I do it myself, man. I'm a multitasker. What? Absolutely. I do it myself in my office. I write it and I print it. I do like that. That's but I actually had this as a – because I, I, I find we're negative a lot about the product and I wanted to find stuff to talk about in a positive light. Sure. And, and for me, one of those things was actually the new certified G-shirt. And the reason I was going to bring it up is because I think it's brilliant that they now put on every city uh, just like the Suplex City shirt because that means you're going to – 
I think you have a higher likelihood of selling those in every town you're in yeah. because it's got the low. I don't. I can't believe more guys don't do that. And when it's I when expensive. I saw, it's very expensive. Maybe, but if you think about, because not only do they have the live crowd, but they have the online component too. So uh, I I think it's uh it's it makes sense. And I saw Enzo shirt, and I thought he's going to sell a shitload of those t-shirts. There there are some shirts that they have that I like. There's the Stone Cold Steve Austin shirt they have out now that. It's the old school style that like Roots of Fight does. That that one's very 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 good. Right. They have the Kurt Angle one that's blue with the red stars. I think that one looks really yeah, yeah. good. I thought American Alpha shirt wasn't too bad uh, as well. They, they simpler is better. The RKO shirt. It was just a takeoff of the NWO shirt, and it yep. it was pretty cool. There are things that sometimes they hit, but a lot of times it's missed. Some of their vintage yep. shirts where they'll put Razor Ramon, an animated old logo on, that's cool stuff. Yeah. The old Macho Man one with the yeah. like, light purple, and it was his sunglasses on the front. I mean, that's, that's yes. pretty classic. Oh, I mean, yeah. everybody has one of those. The Ty yeah. Dillinger shirt that is the old school style and has his ten fingers up there. It's yeah. a good shirt too. They, they, there are some stuff that isn't too bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, Let, let's move who, on. I wanna, I okay. wanna ask you about an interview that Kofi Kingston did on your favorite website called Sports Kita. Unless they <laughs> let, took let me, let me just, let me just specify. Yeah. My decree to our freelancers is, if you want to cover an interview Sports Kita did, that's right. absolutely fine. But if you see something that says exclusive from Sports Kita, that's a no go. You're, you're right. not doing that. An interview is factual. It actually happened. It's not speculation, something that's going to get proven. Because right. last week what happened was Alex said, is so-and-so site a, a website that I can source as information? And I said, yes, absolutely. And then about an hour and a half later, I found out that a person that I had originally decreed, no, not a source, can't go with them, was working for that site. So I had to be like, no, sorry, uh, that's not a go, and it's a good thing because the information cited was incorrect. And it okay. was that Roman Reigns was going to feud with The Miz, which he ain't doing right now. Okay, thanks for clarifying. So uh, Kobe Kingston did an interview with Sports Kita, and he basically said, I'm going to read this quote. He said, I think to have a trio Freebird, a, a singles title, that would be cool. It's something we've talked about many times and we're ready to shake things up. What do you think about the idea of doing Freebird rules with three guys on a singles title? If it was the hardcore title, I'd be all for it. Right. That's about it. I'm in agreement on that too. And, and I mean, I might be willing to consider it on, on like the Intercontinental or U.S. title maybe because they're not considered – although U.S. title is getting momentum again. But otherwise, they're not what they used to be. But if they ever consider doing that with the world title, that's too much. Yeah. You know, well, that's just think, too much. I think the Intercontinental title is back in a good place. It's the, the main title on Raw right now. Yeah, and a necessity. And the Miz really did. Like, when he says he made that title mean something again, he really did. And he did it like – he really didn't even necessarily do it in the ring. Now, the matches he had with Dolph Ziggler, those were very good. But the U.S. title – it's kind of been there for a little while. Like I mentioned, with the exception of a little rain from Kalisto, you've had John Cena, you've yep. had Kevin Owens, you've had Chris Jericho, yep. Roman Reigns, Rusev was, you know, he meant a little bit of something at some point. Yep. Who else? Yep. Alberto Del Rio was, I mean, he won the title from John Cena. And yep. even going back two years ago, Seth Rollins and John Cena feuding over that title. And I think the catalyst to that was Rusev. Rusev made that title mean something, 
And even a little bit before him, you had long reigns from Sheamus and Dean Ambrose, but Dean Ambrose never defended it. But you look you look back to like 2013, there are a lot of big names that have held that title. So yeah, I wouldn't I don't know if I'd want them doing it with that one, but and good on Rusev. Be fine. Good on Rusev that he claimed he mismapped him because he was going to an NHL playoff game. Good for him. <laughs> because if I was going to miss SmackDown for that reason, I damn sure would brag about it on social media too. So yeah. good for you. The National Predators are doing well. I'm not a fan of the team, but they're doing well. So good for him. Uh, let's talk about – I want to talk about hypocrisy for a second. Hip-hop hypocrisy? Hip-hop hip hypocrisy, yes. Uh, I want to talk about hypocrisy because how many times have you seen – whether it be on a WWE DVD. And you know that they like to uh, embellish the truth a little bit, right? Yes. But how many times have you seen on either a WWE DVD or on a network special where they shit on Eric Bischoff because he put Goldberg versus Hogan on Nitro as opposed to saving it for a pay-per-view? How many times all have you seen All the time. All the time. And they all have the all these guys saying what an idiot Goldberg was. When, I, when, you, when you flip that, how many times have we seen first time ever matches exactly. occur on Raw with no build whatsoever? Uh, and they make it. Again, they, not only do they not make it a week ahead of time, they make it like an hour ahead of time. Right, an hour ahead of time. Uh, they do it all the time. And and now I will say, I suppose, in Vince Man's defense, Goldberg Hogan is another level. And and you can't compare Seth Rollins and Bray Wyatt or Finn Balor and Roman Reigns to Goldberg Hulk Hogan. But at the same time, it's still a match that if it's a first-time match, you can make it mean something. And uh, so Seth Rollins and Bray Wyatt, I hadn't even realized they had never wrestled one-on-one. They had the match on Raw with no build-up, really. Uh, and and then it made me think about uh, Batista when he did an interview with Jericho. It might have been on the last podcast or it might have been on one previously. And he talked about when they split up the evolution. Do you remember that? And Batista was the baby face, and he did the thumbs down, and, and the crowd was really into it. Batista yeah. said that after, after they did that turn, Vince wanted to book the match on Raw in the next week. If you can fucking believe that, right? <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and it took Triple H to say, uh-uh, we got to save this for Mania. Like, this has got to be a Mania match. Why is it that Vince is so impatient? Do you think it's because all he cares about is getting through this week? We just got to get through this week, and then we'll worry about next week later? Do you think that's what it is? Yeah, I do, and I and I think that's a bummer because I don't know how many times I've said you need first time matches. Not only first time matches, first time physical encounters right. on pay per view, not necessarily pay per view, but the network, whatever the hell it is, mm-hmm. because it's it loses the special if you it just does. do it over. You know why? And I'm not comparing this to Goldberg Hogan, but one of the reasons I like the Usos and Brizongo is because they're facing this week and they've not touched each other during this feud. You haven't seen Fan- Fandango versus Jimmy Uso or Tyler Breeze versus Jey Uso, but you have seen the Usos coming out and say, in 12 days, I'm going to kick the living shit out of you. I'm, I'm very, gonna- very, I'm very happy that you said I don't want to compare this to Goldberg and Hulk Hogan. Because yes. <laughs> we're talking about Breezango. Yes, but I mean, like, seriously, I, it's a it's a thing that I'm looking forward to on the show. Right. I'm right. Looking, and they're I'm getting like, over. Absolutely. They're getting over. I'm wondering, are the Usos going to rip Breezango's arms off and beat them over the heads with it? Because I don't know. I've not seen any physical interaction to know who's going to hang with who. Yeah. The Goldberg thing. It's uh, and people uh, do people forget what the plan was for that? I mean. It was July 6, 98 when Goldberg won that title mm. in the Georgia Dome yeah. with how many thousands of people? 
Yeah. Okay, well, they were in the Cox Arena in San Diego for Bash the Beach that following Sunday with 10,000. Yeah, but it's still about the, the live attendance, though, well, right? Here's the, mean, thing, here's the thing. Did Hulk Hogan need the championship to face Diamond Dallas Page and Carl Malone? Yeah. He didn't. He didn't need it. And that was no. a marquee match. The, the Malone, yeah. Malone Rodman thing, that is arguably one of the best athlete tie ins to pro wrestling of all time. Next up, you have Road Wild. You weren't selling tickets there either. You weren't no, but, but at the there, same but... time, I mean, obviously, the reason they booked it on Nitro last minute was because they wanted to pop a rating. That's yeah. why they did it. WWE by then was overtaking them, and they wanted to pop a rating. They didn't have to wait one month. They could have waited three, four months to do it on pay-per-view. I mean, they waited a year for Sting. Yeah, but that, that was the right time to book that match. Well, then I, I think a lot of times, WWE waits a little too long. I think that if they wanted that to be the right time, they should have started promoting it two months out. As opposed yeah, to, I think, I think I they did. advertised it on Nitro the, the Thursday thing is, before. I, I think that the, the world starts to see it coming. They know what's up. A good example is Too Cool. They were like one of the hottest acts in wrestling. And then WWE waited like five months after they were really, really hot to put the titles on them. I'm like, okay. There were so many wrestlers that are now, or not necessarily now in mid-card obscurity because they all left. But they got so, so hot. Like, there was a time when I was like, man, Cody Rhodes, I could see him as the, holding the big gold belt. Wade Barrett, him too. Ryback, he looked like I he never was saw there. it. Yeah. When they had two champions, I, I, there was absolutely no reason none of those guys could have. But they waited a little too long, and then they, they got relegated to that spot. Goldberg was never in danger of that. No. But, uh, and he was still very, very hot through the summer, but they were like, Georgia Dome, let's do it. It was his hometown. I think it made. I think the the moment kind of outweighed everything else. And if they would have done that on pay per view, would it have made a difference at the uh, uh, where the company was going in the end? No, but 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 the the point of the company was to make money. Yeah, and and they were too worried about. I mean, you can't honestly think that that booking that match with no notice was a smart idea. Yeah, it was it a was horrible a, idea. It was a few days notice. A few days notice. Maybe I'll they, talk to JJ they, about that next time. Yeah, you should because he made the end. announcement. That's right. That's right. And if I remember right, Goldberg didn't even know. Goldberg wasn't on the, at the Thunder yes, taping. He didn't know. Didn't even know. And, and, and anybody that did not watch Thunder would tune into to Nitro on Monday because the internet back then was not what it is today. They would tune in on Monday and go, "What the hell? We're we're getting this tonight?" You know? Yes. That was a horrible idea. There, there's there's no way to pen it as a good idea. But uh, but again, the point I'm making is that uh, it's funny that they would shit on Eric Bischoff so often. And do uh, it all the time. They do it all the time. And and when they announced uh, Rollins and Bray for Raw, and again, I realize it's not at the same level, but when they announced that, and they made a point, Kurt Angle made a point of saying, first time ever. Uh, and I thought to myself, and you're just giving it away for nothing? No buildup, no nothing? It's it's unfortunate. They're, they're leaving a lot of money on the table. Lucha Underground did a good segment in their, I think, first or second season where it was either Alberto Del Rio or Tejano came into, the, into Dario Cueto's office said i want a match against him tonight and he said no i'm not doing that i gotta promote that match <laughs> that's awesome like that's that's all that's, it takes that's how it should be it's like you know owens for a while when when he was first in wwe and he would walk in on matches because he would say i'm a prize fighter yeah and he'd say so i'm not doing this tonight because i'm a prize fighter that should be the mentality right well the mentality so. should be 
that they get paid more for winning matches. Absolutely. <laughs> that should be the thing. But Vince McMahon wants his guys to be above needing to worry about money. But then yeah. if they you don't ever... worry about money, they're just – yeah. Do you remember that Monsoon used to do that? Monsoon used to say if there was a disqualification, he would say, well, he's going to lose out on the winner's money. Yeah. No, he used to say that all the time. It's like it's like I told you one time. I do assessments of our contracted guys. I got to make sure that myself, Alex Palowski, David Tease are doing enough to justify us having them signed to contracts as opposed to being freelancers. Right. Now, if they don't have any incentive, which they don't necessarily, they don't get a win bonus for writing mm-hmm. an article. They're, they, they make a certain amount. Carlos Toro, he's out there, and John Morehouse, they're chomping up assignments because every time they, you know, they succeed, every time they win with an assignment, they get money for it. Kevin Owens, really, if, if he wins, he should be getting paid for that. But WWE so, wants, whoa, whoa, wants so. their guys to be like, like their guys shouldn't worry about money. Like this is their living. They shouldn't worry about money. So are you telling me that you have no incentive to work because I'm paying you a guaranteed contract? That's exactly what it is. That's because you know never, what's funny. That whole three minute, that whole three minute thing that you just said. The only thing I got out of all of that was, oh, Sean doesn't have incentive to work because I got him on a guaranteed. I'm contract. here, aren't I? <laughs> right now, Wirecast. Is but this, you told me you love this. You this said you enjoy doing right? this. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's working. Let's talk about Titus O'Neil. Let's do it. Now, a while back, I don't know if you remember this, I wrote an article on the site about how I thought Titus was an underrated performer. Uh, I did. I don't know if you remember this. It was a few I months ago. I remember it. And I know you can laugh about it. The reason I said I thought he was an underrated performer was because, number one, he's got a good look. Number two, he's got a legitimate background in football. Uh, and number three, he's a likable guy to use for public relations purposes and the company's always using him for PR stuff, always. Even though he's been lower on the totem pole, you always see his his face in any kind of PR stuff that they do. So I always felt that he was an underrated guy, even though he was pushed like a slug on television. Uh, now he is portraying a, a sports agent slash manager for Apollo Crews. And I know that there's a little bit of controversy because some guys think he's too big. And I, I, I think Alex said it uh, on the post-Raw show. JBL said it apparently on Bring It to the Table that, that Titus O'Neil is too big. I completely disagree with that. I think that just because he's you know a big guy does not mean that he's not fit for that role. I think he's great in that role because he's a good talker. He looks the part with the suits. He's believable as a guy that's kind of – because they make it look like he's kind of conning Apollo Crews. Uh, and that Apollo is going to turn heel, but then down the road he's probably going to turn on Titus when he figures things out. Yeah. And when you and when you think about guys like DDP, who was always bigger than the guys that he had on his roster, uh, Johnny Valiant was big. He was he was a manager for years. Even Bobby the Brain Heenan was a former wrestler and, and was not tiny. Well, Harley Race is a big dude, but they they put him with, they put him with bigger dudes. Right, like Vader. Yeah, yeah. He had the half ton of Hell and Fury or whatever it was called. I think Titus as a sports agent slash manager is a great spot for him, and I really like it. And uh, and I also really like the slow turn they're doing with Apollo, where Apollo did the I call it the ghetto blaster uh, from Bad News Brown's days. But he hit he hit that move on Enzo because Enzo was going to take a selfie. So you can see that they're doing a slow heel turn with Apollo, which is exactly what he needs. And uh, Titus, I love him in that spot. I just think he's funny, and I just like yeah, I like him in it. 
It's good. I love him in that role, too. I think that role would have been a good role for a lot of people, and he's the one that got it, so good for him. Absolutely. Because they never got it off the ground with Abraham Washington. He said some stupid stuff. Right. I was actually at that show, I think, where he said – maybe I was, or maybe it was the week before, where he – somebody said the eccentric thousand-air Titus O'Neil. <laughs> but, yeah, it. I think it's a good – I think it's the best use of him because he's yeah. not good in the ring. He – I know no, that when he was training, he hurt a lot of people. But he does a... little things. Sorry to cut you off. He, he does little things that are funny, and I, I don't know if you noticed when he came to the ring with Apollo, and he put it. He rubbed Apollo's head. Did you see that? When they were they were coming down the ramp, and Apollo was kind of a little bit slow, lagging behind. Yeah. And Titus, Titus turned and he rubbed his head, and I thought that was hilarious. You yeah. know that that he. I think he's great in that role, and I hope they stick with it. I hope they don't just bury him and job him out, and he's gone. Because uh, I think it's I like. It. I think they need to shatter a lot of the old rules of professional wrestling, where you can't manage a guy smaller right. than you. Who cares? And then right. when whenever Titus kicks somebody in the ribs at ringside, you really believe that they that it should hurt, as opposed to no offense to Sensational Sherry, but 130 pound Sensational Sherry doing it. Hey, I I spent a weekend with Sherry, not in that sense, but we spent a weekend at an independent show. She was a tough lady. I know, but I'm just saying in comparison to believing that Lana doing it and Titus O'Neil doing it, the difference. I agree. I agree. But I I think it's a really, really good role. Uh, I also want to talk about Goldust heel turn. Mm -hmm. I personally love it. And I was I was watching with my wife last night, uh, and my wife is an, is a casual fan. She doesn't you know follow wrestling too much. She'll watch it just because I'm watching it. She loved it when he turned heel because she remembers him from 20 years ago, and uh, I love it. Obviously, he's coming towards the end of his run. I think why not give him one more heel run? Let him bring back the robes. Let him bring back the wigs. Let him do the. Remember, he used to do movie quotes and stuff yeah. like that. Why not give that one more shot? They're lacking of talent on the raw side. You could at least have him up or mid-card as a heel. I, I like it. I think it's a good idea. I do too, and I think you can do that. I, I think that's that's a very easy thing to do. The wig, yep. the robe, bring it back, have him yep. cut a promo and say, I, you know, I've, I've been losing, but it wasn't my fault. I've held myself back. The WWE has neutered me, and they're not going to do it anymore. It's a yep. very, very easy and, and quite honestly, I mean, I, I really hope they don't go the obvious route and have them lose to uh, Tara Truth in a singles match. If it were me, I would do something as shocking as have him beat Ambrose for the Intercontinental title. You know? That's because his title. Some, yeah, and something like that would reestablish him. And I and Dustin Rhodes is good, man. Like, he's he's a good talker, and he's got personality, and he's entertaining. And I think it's – I like it, and I, I think why not give him one more run? Give him a shot. If it works out, I mean, Jinder Mahal, they got him doing stuff on SmackDown. So why not Goldust? Right. Why not Goldust? And as Funk the Gamer said, his theme is dope. Yes, it is. It is yep. an awesome theme. I remember yep. Goldust in late 95, early 96. That was maybe one of the first times when I was like, man, this like I could see what they were doing. As, as a kid, I'm like, I know what they're doing here, and it was really yeah. good. It was. It really was, good. and and back then, I mean, the, the mainstream media looked at wrestling differently back then. Back then, Goldust would do a let's, let's see Conan O'Brien, and he'd be treated like a joke, and the audience would be laughing at him and all that. It's different now. Yes. So now, now you can have him be Goldust, and he can actually do an interview as Dustin Rhodes in the in the Goldust gear, yeah. uh, and it's totally acceptable. 
I yeah, I, I think uh, I think it's a good a good thing to try out. Again, they need talent at the top of the card, or maybe not the top, but at least yeah. upper mid card. And I think he could do it. Uh, isn't it? Bring, isn't it? Somebody says bring back Marlena. That ain't happening. No, <laughs> that ain't no, happening. no. She looks a little plastic now. But uh, isn't it? Isn't it refreshing that we're talking about positive things, Sean? Positivity, man. We're talking about things that are good about the show. Isn't that yeah. cleansing, Sean? I mean, I don't make the list every week. You do. <laughs> so if, it, if, if this so was Sean Rotten's, if this was your list, you'd just be shitting I mean, on if, everybody. If, if anything, I get criticized because if I say I don't like Raw, people go to the trouble of saying, you say you don't like Raw, then you talked about all this stuff you liked. I'm like, it's a three-hour show. Yeah, I'm exactly. I like some stuff. I like exactly. to point out intricacies of things I do like, things I like, things that I know that they could fix. Because right. I'm not going to get in there and tell Dean Ambrose how to, how to do an arm ringer right. But I can say they could have done this logically. They could have done that logically. Sure. But I think that Goldust, maybe, maybe, if, maybe they're not going to bring back Marlena, but no. who could they fit in that spot? Because... Well, you mean, with, you mean I mean, with Goldust, you mean? Yeah, but I, maybe they won't do it because... How about Dakota? No. They could. No, that's not happening. No? Not happening. No chance. She's um, like in her 20s now, isn't no she? No chance. No chance. Zero chance. Well, whatever, but I, 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 I like him in that spot. I mean, there's a lot of girls in the independents. They could grab anybody. Well, the thing is, you know? they they would probably need a blonde to go with Yeah, them. yeah. Summer Rae's there. Yeah? She's not doing anything. Yeah. But, I mean, that, that also makes me wonder if they're doing the movie gimmick. That that seems an awful mi- lot mizzish, like a little, especially if you got a blonde with you, so I don't know. Yeah, well, maybe, I mean, maybe they'll feud down the road. Who if knows? If Miz and Maurice weren't a thing, Maurice would be perfect for that. Yeah, but she would. But she's Mar- awesome with the Miz. Those Maurice two are- is perfect for a lot of things. I thought that back <laughs> when she was a Divas champion, I, I, I hated the women's wrestling segments. But when she came on, I was like, I, I just liked watching her walk to the ring, watch her body language. She got it as a heel in I the agree. ring. No, but no, but she's she's great. And and you know when she does the thing where she gets in the ring and and puts her hair back and does the wink in the ring. That's it's just awesome. Uh, you know, Maurice Maurice is awesome. And this is a nice little segue to my next positive note, Sean, because you're putting over Maurice for her abilities outside the ring because you said she's not the greatest in the ring but she's great in other areas i want to talk about alexa bliss Mm -hmm. because that promo that she did on raw this week i thought she was awesome doing that promo usually uh yeah she she's very good at improvising because obviously i'm sure her stuff is written for her word for word but she doesn't go out there and regurgitate it like she makes it her own you can tell she improvises another thing i like about her is that she listens to the crowd and she shut up that what chant like that I had, had somebody arguing with me that she didn't. They said, you need to watch it with volume one. I said, you need to get a life. No, she – of course that's how you would respond I didn't to that really guy. say that. Of I course, set yeah. you up. I yeah, set you, you up and you, you bit. Yeah. Boom. How yeah. about that one, Viterra? It's because you're typical – you typically will say stupid shit like that. That's what not. you do. I'm, yeah, a, she, I'm extremely positive on Twitter the last few weeks. You said something on the MMA podcast uh, this week, and I can't remember what the topic was, but you were talking about something somebody said, and you called him a piece of crap. And my wife was next to me on the couch, and she started laughing because we were like, Sean doesn't probably know that guy personally, but he's a piece of shit now. So well, that's what just, was that's it? Just gonna, what, I don't remember. I'd have what to go back was and the look. quote? I probably had a reason. 
I don't remember. I don't know. Maybe he was uh, making fun of the Kentucky Wildcats. I have no idea. Well, that, that's a good way to get it done. It would uh, be. It's funny you talk about how much Alexa Bliss, like usually people are micromanaged and their promos are written out for them. I remember I, I interviewed her last year. I remember. I saw the video. And somebody was like, why are you standing so far away from her? Because WWE has little red X's that you right. have to stand on and that the talent has to stand on. Right. And that's how that's the degree that they micromanage people. That when they farm out interviews or allow interviews to go out, that they gotta you gotta do that. So the fact that you know she's been I, able to make that work videos, is kind of cool. What? When I saw those interviews that you did, I think I've told you this before because you also did it with American Alpha, right? Mm-hmm. And when I saw those interviews, I told you, Sean, you're deceptively large. Yeah, I'm six feet tall. Because when I see you sitting in a chair like that, you look like you're five two and about 110 pounds. But in reality, when I saw you interviewing, you were like the same size as uh, Jason Jordan, like the same height. As he's Jason he's a little taller than me. I, I was kind of surprised at how short that, J- that that Gable was. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, Jordan wasn't that much taller than me. Obviously, he's a lot more broad than me. And he's yeah. built at 6'3", but if, yeah. if you would have had a stand like sideways, Jason Jordan is just such a massive dude Like when you yeah. see him. But height wise, you guys were close, and I, I was surprised because like I'm five nine, and I looking at you in this thing, I would look like I'm bigger than you. But if we when we meet in person, because we will eventually when we meet in person, you're actually like a pretty big dude. Yeah, kind of. And see, that's weird for me to think because yeah. I went in high school. I was tiny. If you like, people saw the prom picture I posted a few weeks ago when I was a senior in high school. I was maybe five seven and 110 pounds. I and was, then you started drinking energy drinks and acting well, no, lasagna I, and whoosh, I got off that Ritalin up. prescription is what happened. I was on <laughs> really? Ritalin when I was younger. Yeah. And I grew, I think the last, you know, the, your doctor takes down your height and all that stuff as you get older. I think the last time there was any change, I was 26 years old. Really? That's absurd. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Kyler says, yeah, Sean is a tall person. I was surprised. Yeah. Yeah. Because you just don't come off it. I'm like just surprising you everybody today. Being tall, jumping on cars, I am just a ball. How about let's that? Talk, let's talk about your vertical jump. So have you ever seen uh, footage of – because Brock Lesnar, obviously, you see it in oh, the ring. God. But he's he's very agile. And, and uh, I've also seen The Rock doing that. And Rock's pretty agile too. Or at least he was when he was younger. I don't know if he is so much anymore. Have you seen what they're capable of and how do you compare to that? Mine, I don't know where the hell mine comes from, to be honest with you, because that's really my athletic gift. That's it. And the reason I posted the video is because somebody, when I was doing an Onnit promo, they said, I'll buy it if you prove you can jump onto a car. And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll go out back and do that right now. And they bought it, so that was kind of cool. But And you can do that with no running start, and you, and you keep your feet together? Maybe like a little, maybe like a one, two step hop type of thing. Okay, okay. Yeah, okay. but I'm not like running and... Yeah. Like I could, is, that, is that how you run? Do you run the way you just showed yeah. with your arms swinging yeah. like that? A few years ago, I could dunk a basketball. But you know, if I could learn to dribble, shoot, pass, and play defense, I might be okay at it. Can you chew gum while you're doing all that? I don't know. Probably not. Because they say that that fucks up your brain. You know, if, if you would have gotten me those shoes that I was talking about, as LV Sports Group points out, that would increase my vertical five inches. Okay, if you had to let me get you the house in Kansas City, and, and if we had to have agreed to something whereby you could sell it after X number of years, you could have taken the proceeds and bought yourself the shoes. Uh, Kansas Think City, about Toronto, my friend, or Richmond, 
Richmond, Missouri. But it was a it was a thirty six thousand dollar house. You can get the shoes for that. Yeah. Uh, you know, if I want a thirty six thousand dollar house, I'll probably just buy it myself at this point. But oh god, that it was, was still a free offer for a free house. That, that's like, very true. That's a good point you know. because I have, as we talked off air, I have been looking at moving in the next right. couple of years, but. Right. I don't know anybody there. Um, if you think I wake up late now, you put me in the central time zone. That's maybe not a good idea. Yeah, I can't reach you half the time at 10 a.m., so that's what's going to happen? That's not true. <laughs> that is not true. What's going to happen if you're in a different time zone? Two times in 10 months. I'll be like, Sean, it's 2 p.m., man. It's 2 p.m. Seriously. Joe used to make those jokes, too. He was like, he just woke up. He's in a bad mood. I'm like, Joe, it's noon. Okay, it's- Joe's got nothing to say because Joe's off in Pickering, Ontario at like 1 in the afternoon when, you know, you're trying to test a podcast. True. He's got nothing to say about that. But in 10 months, well, gosh, wow, a month and a half will be around for a year. Isn't that crazy to think? Yeah, I think I, I like to think August because July was uh, kind of beta mode. So I look at August first i guess but it's coming up yeah and uh, two times you've been out, unable to reach me two two and this this includes at like two in the morning three in the morning mind you you know what i loved about the mma podcast this week too what uh so i as you know i couldn't watch it live i was busy in the afternoon but when i when i checked it out uh at night at one point joe says is jimmy van watching this right now and you said no he's in meetings <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Well, I mean, you can watch it eventually. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think this week may actually mark one year since you reached out to me, Jimmy Van. Is that right? I think so. I found I was looking through my emails the other day, and I yeah. saw it. it was a mid to late May type of thing. Really? And it's funny because I was I was out there, and I was like that week. I started to talk to some people about like maybe making a move. Mm-hmm. And then you hit me up and you said, oh, wrestling, MMA, and boxing. And I was like, I like this guy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like this guy. Now, who were you talking to? Like, who were you planning to make a move to? Well, I was talking to a lot of people. Like, about, uh-huh. I'm not going to name people in particular because I did turn down a few offers. But I just, you know, I wanted to improve my financial situation because I was selling a lot of ads. That was how I was relying on a lot of my money before then to the point to where I practically paid for myself. And you mean like, like on the podcast? Yes. So where the hell are our ads? I don't know. You got, you got where, uh, Melissa. Wait Lindsay, a second. Where if you at? could do it, if you could do it on that podcast, how come you can't do it on this one? You know why, Sean? Because like I said earlier, you're comfortable now because you have I, a guaranteed contract. How about I tell you off the air? Why? Just like we talked. Oh yeah. There's a reason. Yeah, there's a reason. Okay, okay. You can tell me off the air. I'm sure it's bullshit, but you can tell me off the air. Fucking Canadians, guys. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Damn it, I don't know which way to point at. To point I know, at it's to... backwards. Son it is. of a bitch. It is, it is. Uh, one other thing I want to I tell you, Sean, and I kind of told you this already, but I want the people here to know. So uh, I have been sending out a bunch of old VHS tapes. And uh, I'm sure you have them too, Sean. Everybody does. And I, they've just been sitting there collecting dust. And finally this week I got around to finding a guy that will convert it to digital. Yeah. And he's, he's doing it right now and I hope to have it by the end of the week. 
Some of the That's stuff awesome. that I've given him, yeah, well, some of the stuff I've given him to digitize, because some of it's like family stuff and whatnot, but some of it is wrestling matches from shows that I used to promote. And I don't know everything that's on those tapes, but I'm pretty sure Eric Young is in a bunch of them and Bobby Roode is in a bunch of them uh, and guys like Jim Duggan and Jim Nambel Neidhart is in a bunch of them. So when I get the footage back, if it turned out decent, because these tapes are like, you know, what, 15, 20 years old, if it's decent enough footage, uh, I'm going to use that for future segments on this podcast. I like that. And you even mentioned us doing commentary over them. Yes, I did. I talked about you and I doing commentary because I think that would be awesome. I think that would be fun too. Now, yeah. would you want to do it straight up or like with a little flair to it? Uh, we can do it whatever way you want, Sean. So long as you don't uh, talk down to me and disrespect me, then we can do it. We can do it whatever way you want to do it. How many comments did we used to get on these that say, how long does it take Jimmy Van to remind Sean who writes the checks and stuff like that? And you and I could never understand that. There, there would be people that would post comments saying, I don't think Jimmy likes Sean. Yeah. And I'd be like, what are you talking about? And, and that funny dude who replied and said, yeah, SRS ain't a fucking gimmick, which I still <laughs> don't understand because I, I, I kind of am. People are interesting, man. What can you say? You know? But no, I think, doing the, I think the commentary thing could be a lot of fun. You know, and you know what we could do? We could play the the clip live on the show and do the commentary then, live. Yeah, that, that's what I was just thinking as yeah. we as we were talking about that. Yeah. I, I was like, that, that that's a cool thing that we would be able to do with this software. So I'm, right. I'm really excited to see what comes out of that. I love the video content. I'm gonna hopefully have some stuff from NXT tomorrow night that I'm at. Also, I've got some archive videos. As I got a new phone a few weeks ago, I found like a bunch of matches. And oh, yeah. clips that I had filmed from my other phone throughout uh, throughout the the past year or so. So you mean like WWE stuff or independent yeah. stuff? WWE really? stuff and independent stuff, for, especially from that Evolve show that I went to to watch Matt. Uh, really, really. Matt Russell sent Matt a text this week. He didn't reply. Yeah, I haven't reached out to him. Uh, I, I'll I'll give him a week or two. Did do you know if he actually did a podcast on his own? I don't think he did, but I gotta admit, I'm a little bummed. Ah, he'll be fine. But, well, you know, I like Matt. I like yeah, Matt yeah. a lot. I had interviewed Matt like every year for the past three or four years, even leading up to Fightful. Yeah. So I maintained a pretty decent relationship with him. But it's a it'll bummer. be fine. Hopefully- and w- without mentioning names, because uh, you know what I'm talking about, sometimes people leave and then they come back, Sean. Yeah, they do. <laughs> so how, I'm going to leave. How, I'm, you I'm, making I, any headway on that? Haven't heard back yet. Well, that's funny because I talked to them today. And did they get my email? They did. They did. Okay. Okay. You and I will talk off the air. Yeah, we should. It is – I think it's about that time, Jimmy. We need to tell the people, of course, go visit Fightful.com. Register. Absolutely free. I do members-only podcasts on occasion. I almost want to call it the hotline, Jimmy, because we get to talk about the stuff that necessarily you might not want me to talk about, just all willy-nilly out there. We (laughs) talked to uh, Rob McCarron, who used to do podcasts with us. He turned down a pretty high-profile job, and we talked about why that happened and what went into it and how he thinks that that uh, came down. I also talk about some of the former places I worked, why I left, how the experience was, and uh, we kind of do a little bit of an AMA on there. You can only get that by registering at Fightful.com for free. Also, the forums. I love the activity on the forums, guys. I want everybody watching this to head over there. 
and uh, start a topic. We've got uh, wrestling, MMA, boxing, movies, TV, action figures. I love using the forums. It's a great way to keep in touch with me. I and get, you know like, what? Sorry to cut you off, but I, I have a bunch of, of Edge autobiographies that were signed by Edge. Hmm. Uh, whenever that came out, I think it was the late 90s that that book came out, uh, yes. or, or early 2000s. I have some that were signed by him. I will give one away to a random person that posts in the forum. That's awesome. And I, I still have some uh, signed Mysterio masks. I've got – hey, I'll probably give away that stupid uh, rule book that oh, yeah. WWE had. We'll give away some stuff to people that are using the forum. So go over there and do that. Register for free at Fightful.com. We have shows this Saturday and Sunday after NXT TakeOver Chicago and Backlash. Anna will be with us Saturday. She'll be on set Sunday, so unfortunately won't be with us. But check out Most Ridiculous. We got lots of cool video content. Joe is doing these MMA quick hits for us, which I, I really like. Also, uh, if you like the format of this show, our MMA show is following the same format with Showdown Joe. That's so, right. Uh, this yep. week he talked to Sean Pearson. We're going to get Frank Trigg in there to talk about some of the, the refereeing controversies that we've, we've experienced. Somebody says they want that guitar. Hey, if you all help us meet like traffic goals and follower goals and all that stuff... I will get that done. I might even be able to get Jarrett to sign it somehow because yeah. Jarrett always responds to my request for comments. As so long like as you don't let him know what I've said about him and how I think that Global Force is a bunch of bullshit, then uh, he'll probably do Global it. Global Force doesn't exist anymore. Is that right? I mean, they merged with Impact. Yeah, but they so still I mean, have the Global Force title, right? Yeah, that's true. Eh, yeah, yeah. It's a bunch of bullshit. Well, the so. NWA still has a title, but do they exist? I heard Corrigan got the library, though. That's what he wanted, I think, right? What library? What is the the, uh, the on-demand uh, footage? Ah, he got that footage. Mm. Damn. Yeah. Follow us at Fightful Online, at Fightful Wrestle, at Fightful MMA. We also have Bellator 179 coming up Friday. So every night this weekend, Bellator, NXT, WWE, come hang out in our live discussion. We want to see you all there. Please let people know about the show, about the site. All that stuff really helps. Subscribe and leave us a thumbs up. Guys, I want to thank you all so much. Jimmy, you got anything else? That's it, man. We hit the whole 90 minutes this week. It went by quick. We are out. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.